All right, my friends, thanks for tuning into the podcast, where, as always, we'll discuss the professional literature and the evidence-based protocol as they relate to the effective treatment of clinically significant anxiety symptoms. I'm Chris Lines, licensed psychotherapist and OCD spectrum disorders treatment specialist, and this, well, this is OCD Straight Talk. Like I had had this really tough week with anxiety. Um, I had a dentist appointment coming up, and and traditionally I just don't have the best relationship with uh, with dentists with regard to my experience of anxiety and and so on. And I had to have a like a cavity replaced, and and the cavity was, or I'm sorry, a filling. And the filling was at a particular place in my mouth where a nerve has often enough gotten hit by the Novocaine needle. And so I just get really anxious about it and all this stuff. In any case, so the appointment was, it was like a month away. And and I was feeling anxious about it and all this stuff. But I was doing really, really well for a while. And uh, I would notice that I was sort of uh, gravitating toward ruminating without even trying. You know what I'm talking about. Like it would just start happening without my even sort of deciding to to ruminate. I would have these intrusive images uh, of of pain happening and the dentist standing over me, and 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 the image was like the it was sort of like I was imagining myself writhing in pain and and. Uh, and I would experience a lot of anxiety in that moment in relationship to the intrusive image. And then I would sort of start rationalizing uh, with myself about how, oh, I don't think, you know, the last time that nerve got hit, I was like eight years old and, and that kind of thing, you know, hurts a lot when you're a little kid and, and, it's, and it's really scary and, and it won't be so bad, I think, if it even happens, you know, and I'm just sort of almost reflexively... Um, engaging in this kind of rationalizing with myself and and I would I started to notice really clearly like I could really clearly see the difference between the intrusive thought of like what if it happens or the intrusive image of seeing it happening sort of in real time in my mind and feeling the anxiety surge relative to those those thoughts and then correspondingly, my, my kind of cognitive response of rationalizing and, and sort of convincing myself that that's unlikely, it probably won't happen, and, and all this stuff. <clears throat> and having this kind of very uh, like solid, crisp ability to simply stop ruminating. You know, it, it was like um, it was like I, I just had this this capacity to decide to not respond. And I'm not talking, by the way, about like behavioral or, or motor compulsions. I'm talking about mental compulsions, right? I'm talking about like like somebody across the room looking at me would probably not even know that I'm feeling anxious and that I'm engaging sort of OCD patterns. They would not even know. I mean, my wife might know. Uh, and I remember one particular night she was, you know, she said, you, you seem off or whatever. 
and, and maybe I said something like, well, I'm feeling anxious, but I didn't really want to, I didn't even want to talk about it because I didn't want to give the thought enough power to even recognize to another person that it was happening. In any case, she eventually, because, you know, I mean, she's, she's the best and she knows me super well and she, oh, I know what it is. And I was like, uh, you know, and she said it. And I was like, uh. anyways, so moving on, you know what I'm saying? But, but for the most part, I was really, really able to, to just discontinue. And it was like ruminating. And it was like this idea where I was having a conversation with my, with my OCD. I was having a conversation with the thoughts about the dentist appointment that was coming up. <clears throat> you know, the thoughts would happen or the intrusive images would happen. And that was like one person talking to me. Right. And then my my rationalizing and, and my sort of reassuring myself within the context of my own mind and thoughts was sort of me speaking back to the voice. Right. So it was this kind of conversation that was that was going on. And I think that often enough, that's kind of what OCD is, even if it's a, a motor compulsion like hand washing or or seeking reassurance from, uh, you know, a, a trusted other or or Googling you know, and doing compulsive research, whatever. I mean, even if it's something like a motor compulsion, it's still kind of a conversation if you follow that imagery loosely. But when you're talking about ruminating, I think it really is kind of like a conversation you're having with yourself in your your mind. And, and, and the voice with which you're having the conversation is kind of the intrusive thoughts, right? And I think that so often when we're dealing with OCD, and we're sort of uh, uh, in the trenches fighting the battle, in the heat of the moment, we gravitate toward, I'll do anything, I, I'll do anything I've got to do to feel better. And what we mean by that is to, to kind of get rid of these intrusive thoughts. You know, it's like I would have, I remember as, as that appointment got closer and closer, it was like, I'll give any amount of money to not think about this right now. I just don't, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to have to deal with this. Yeah, and my so much of my attention, and and listen to me, so much of my attention was on not having these thoughts. Like that was my aim. That was my goal. I don't want to have to deal with these thoughts. Like fuck stopping the compulsions. I I don't want to have to deal with these thoughts. I can't do this right now. I don't have the energy to do this right now. You know, I, I just can't face it. And then the anxiety would surge and it was overwhelmingly strong at certain points. And, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, I I don't want to have to deal with this psychoemotive symptomatology, like like the, the thoughts and the corresponding feelings. I don't want to have to deal with it. And when you get to a place like that, you know, and, and you're, you're focused on your attention is, is on how much you don't want to have this frequency of thoughts and, and, and this intensity of anxiety and you don't want to feel like this when your focus is on how much you don't want to feel like this it's you know it's like be careful because because it's in that moment that you're a very very short step you're right on the ledge you're a very short step from crossing over into doing compulsions and let me explain what I mean. It's like when your aim isn't stopping compulsions despite the experience of intrusive thoughts and the corresponding anxiety. When your aim isn't uh, 
to focus your intention, right, and your attention on stopping compulsions when that's not where you are, but you're focused on getting rid of the anxiety, you're focusing on feeling better and not having these thoughts right now. It's like you're almost certainly going to do something to achieve that goal, even if it's unconscious, meaning even if you're not like actively deciding to do it. I mean, it's almost like it's reflexive, right? When, when, you, when all of your energy and your attention is like, I just got to feel better. I just can't deal with this shit right now. I can't do it. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't have it in me today. Almost reflexively, you're going to do something, whether it's reassure yourself or it's distracting yourself or it's seeking reassurance from somebody else or, or it's doing some some research or it's some kind of avoidance, like canceling an appointment. I, I mean, I almost did that, man. Like I was right there canceling it. I just can't do it. I just can't, you know, whatever. It's like when you get to that place that your your energy, your uh, your attention is focused on feeling better, you know, and that's 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 a lot of us a lot of the time. You're right there, man. You, you know, you're a hand breath away from doing something to get rid of the anxiety. You know, you, you think about that conversation. It's like the mosquito bite idea that, that we talk about. You know, it's like when, I, when my attention is on how much I can't stand this itch. I just can't stand it. It's, this itch is driving me crazy. Right when your attention is there, and you know, like, let's be honest, that's an easy place to be. It's not like that's some kind of difficult place at which to arrive. Like, it's a really uh, understandable, you know, reaction to to feeling itchy. You're just like, or or like, th- think of w- when you're reaching across the table to to hand somebody a piece of food or a plate or whatever it is, and you don't realize that your hand is is or your arm, your forearm is quite close to an open flame. Like I didn't quite realize I was that close to the candle. And then you start feeling the the burn of the flame and you and you reactively, you reflexively pull your your hand away. You know, there's 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 nothing that's like terribly sophisticated about that decision. You know, it's just it's a reflex. And I think that a lot of the time for us when we get focused on how anxious we feel it's like the, you know, the mechanics of the symptoms be damned. Fuck all that. Like, I just got to feel better, you know? And when you get to a place where it's like, I just got to feel better, man, then you're short step. You know, it's like, be careful. That is the time. And it really is. That's the moment where your eyes should be open and you should be paying very sober attention to what you're doing. You know, and this is the, this is this is kind of where a lot of the podcasts pick up. You know, we talk a lot about identifying and stopping compulsions, and there's a well, there's a substantive reason for that. I mean, you can't spend a great deal of time in the literature without seeing, you know, somebody talking about the importance of ritual prevention when it comes to the effective treatment of OCD. It's like, yeah, I mean, when you're talking about meat and potatoes, there isn't anything more uh, nutritious and substantive than the art and the consistent act of stopping a compulsion. You know, that's just the reality of it. 
you know, the, the literature isn't isn't over here targeting getting rid of intrusive thoughts. It's just not. And and there's a reason for that, because other parts of the, the literature are talking about the, the, the mass population dealing with intrusive thoughts, you know, like 90 percent of people fucking everywhere are dealing with at least occasional unwanted thoughts and everybody deals with anxiety. You know, it's like so the, the ultimate goal of the therapeutic process isn't to eradicate intrusive thoughts like, well, 90 percent of the people on the planet, of course, including those people who have never dealt with clinical anxiety in their lives, who've never been diagnosed with OCD. Right. It includes those people. So it's not like we're going to get through treatment. And on the other side of that, we're going to be like, well, haha, bitches, I don't have any intrusive. Like, that's just not the reality. Of course, you're still going to have some intrusive thoughts. Of course, you're hopefully still going to have some anxiety in certain situations. Well, yeah, I mean, I hope so, right? So again, that's not the goal. So the, the, the literature isn't talking about that stuff. And, and the, the, the majority of the reason that the literature isn't dealing with that stuff after all these years and years and years of, of research is because we know that one, in no world are you going to arrive at a place where you have zero intrusive thoughts. I mean, at least the majority of us, the vast majority of us. And, and so, too, the reality is you're not going to make therapeutic progress by achieving something that the vast majority of people everywhere don't ever achieve. You're going to make progress by manhandling and exploiting the particular part within the symptomatic machinery over which you actually have control, right? The, the, the problem is so often it's the intrusive thoughts that drive people into psychotherapy. It's not the compulsions necessarily. Now, on some you know instances, yeah, you're going to encounter somebody in a psychotherapeutic environment where they're like, well, I just got to stop whatever the compulsion is, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is, I, I've just got to stop doing this. But the majority of the time, no, it's it's primarily, it's the emotional piece of the symptom and secondarily the cognitive piece of the symptom. So it's like, I, I have to feel less anxious and, and and I feel so anxious because, you know, this this thought that I have or these this set of thoughts that I have or whatever it is, right? That's what's driving me into therapy. I've got to feel better. I've got to manage these psychoemotive symptoms. They're not often thinking about the, the behavioral piece that actually drives the whole engine. And, and that's fine, but this is where the literature comes in. And this is where the literature says, okay, that's all good and that's all fine. And, and, and you know, and there's empathy for this and we've, we're sorry and sad and all that bullshit. But it's like, this is the thing that you've got to focus your attention on, right? After decades and decades of looking at this and effectively treating this, this being clinically significant anxiety symptoms in general and, and OCD in particular. You know, it's like after looking at this really carefully, we know that you got to go in through the back door. You, you can't say, well, let me, let me just like talk it out and, 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 and look at evidence for and against my symptoms and, and, and all this stuff. There's a, there's a place for that in a clinical setting. I'm not saying that there, that there isn't, but, but the modality or, or the strategy that the research shows is most effective and by the way, this includes uh, even in comparison to uh, to selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or SSRIs. So even in relationship or or in contradistinction to to 
to antidepressants and medications for for OCD, even their exposure and response prevention is more effective than anything else. Right? And and so when you're looking at well, what is the heartbeat of exposure and response prevention? I mean, response prevention is in the name of the treatment. It's such a powerful component of effective treatment that pulling the C out of the OCD actually warrants naming the treatment after that strategy. So the problem is ultimately we as OCDers conceptualize our anxiety and managing the severity of that as the aim of progress. And that only scratches the mosquito bite, thereby aggravating the system and maintaining it over the course of time. I mean, at the very least, we're going to maintain symptom severity, if not aggravate or increase symptom severity by scratching the mosquito bite, or if you follow the analogy, engaging compulsions. So, so, so often we, we, we walk into this thing backward, focusing on the wrong thing. We have to be able to turn our attention away from how, I'm mixing analogies here, how itchy it is, how uncomfortable the psychoemotive symptomatology is. We have to be able to focus not on the frequency of our intrusive thoughts and the, and the intensity of the corresponding anxiety. Like, sure, that's way easier said than done. And point taken, fair enough, but move on. You shift our attention away from that. Thoughts are going to happen. Anxiety is going to come with them. That's going to happen. We open the windows of our mind and we let them come in. Anybody who's ever said, well, I just block the thoughts out, knows very well that that doesn't work. Right? So, so this idea of, well, let me just push the thoughts away, they just keep on coming back. In fact, that's part of the definition of an, of an obsession within the context of criterion A, of diagnostic uh, criteria for OCD. It's even when I try to get rid of the thoughts, they just keep on coming back to me. When I try to ignore them, they're still there. That's the idea of what an obsession is. So rather than trying to control that, rather than trying to somehow manage the itch by scratching it, we work instead to exploit that which we can control, which is stopping the scratching response or the compulsion. This is where we have control. And like I say, this is the problem for a lot of OCDers is we're focusing our attention on the wrong symptom. When you begin to understand that symptoms work together, that they come together to form a system and that those, that, that system can be broken apart into pieces when you understand that, then, then you're in a place to begin to really dissect that, that system into parts and identify the specific part over which you actually have control. And it's from there that once you pull the C out of the OCD system, then, then the symptoms begin to unravel and fall apart. Well, that's it for another episode of OCD Straight Talk. Feel free to reach out with any questions you might have. 
to chrislines04 at gmail.com. If you found the podcast helpful, consider giving it a five-star rating or subscribing to OCD Straight Talk for structured help with your anxiety or OCD symptoms. Thank you.